0: Welcome to Latte with a Lawyer, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the stories of some of America's most successful lawyers, figuring out what makes them tick, how they creatively solve problems, and how others, aspiring to be them, can follow in their footsteps. Okay, guys, welcome to another episode of Latte with a Lawyer. Today, we've got uh, an interesting guest here from the land of Kentucky. And her name is uh, Christine Stanley, and she's from the firm of Quinteros, Prato, Wood, and Boyer. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. And um, so you're in Kentucky. Let me ask you a question. I know they like bourbon out there, but like, what's your morning beverage of choice? Don't tell me it's bourbon. How do you get started?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Some days, some days I wish (laughs) it was bourbon. And. no, I'm a kind of a seasonal person. And so right now in spring, I'm obsessed with this coconut lavender latte. Um, you know, but then as we get into the fall, I'm a big pumpkin spice person. And uh, there's a Christmas one that comes out, too. So but right now it's coconut and lavender.
0: Very nice. Very nice. And this caffeine in that. So that gets you. Yes.
1: Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Lots okay. of caffeine. All right. All
0: right. <laughs> That's, that's good. We all need some, you know, I I hear that caffeine is good for athletic performance. So I think it's probably, it's probably good for uh, intellectual pursuits as well. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) So um, tell, tell us what, uh, what kind of work you do and a little, little bit about that
1: sure um i'm a healthcare defense attorney and so all of my clients are either medical entities or medical providers um and some of my clients are actually insurance um folks that provide insurance to these medical entities and medical providers um and so we run the gamut you know i have most of my cases are negligence cases um I do have, you know, one construction case, supremacy liability case, and I do a little bit of employment for the same folks. Um, and then I have perhaps one car accident case, but my bread and butter is 100%
0: healthcare. Okay. I mean, the car accident case, is that on the defense or the plaintiff side? You do a little both?
1: Well, it's just, it's just, it's a defense, but you know, it's just um, when they have two drivers and another firm is conflicted out, we usually just say, yeah, we can do it too. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Okay. So you were a, but you're in the, you're in the healthcare business and you're, you're strictly on the defense side trying to. Yes. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, So you must have been busy then with uh, all the stuff related to COVID, I would imagine, right? Because that was in the news quite a bit.
1: Super busy. Um, You know, we thought, um, incorrectly, might I add, we thought that, you know, with COVID, um, the lawsuits would come down. You know, because the nurses were our heroes, the doctors were our heroes, um, and so we were kind of like, "Oh, uh-oh, are the are the suits going to come down?" But no, they actually doubled. Um, we, I guess, people need an answer and they need a reason, and so um, I would say we do have some protections from COVID lawsuits, but those protections are only in the instance that it wasn't egregious right there was no Mm. abuse and so a lot of folks are like well we don't know whether it was abuse or not we weren't allowed to go in and see our our family and so they're just saying you know i'm going to file a complaint and i'm going to say that it's um abuse or neglect or egregious so that i can figure out what really happened so we have Mm. a lot a lot of cases this year and last year
0: interesting that's interesting yeah um and did any of those prevail on the other side? Were you settle settle those?
1: Not, not as, not yet. So no. So our, you know, with healthcare, gosh, the the courts have been backed up. So the first couple of cases that actually went to trial were cases from 2019 and 2020 and 2021 that were backlogged because all the courts were closed. Um, So we're we're not set to try um, our first um, kind of COVID case until later this year. Um, And no, we're not, I mean, we haven't settled them yet, mostly because, I mean, it was COVID and, you know, no one knew what was going on. No one purposely did anything that I have seen. Now, you know, I haven't seen every case in Kentucky. I haven't seen every case in the United States, but no one purposely did anything to hurt anyone during that time. We were all trying to figure it out. I mean, yeah. And we didn't want to, you know, the, some of the laws and the guidelines came all the way from the CDC and so we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna mess with you know telling the CDC that they don't know what they're doing so a lot of our um, entities and providers that's they're pretty strong on that they're like you know what we followed the CDC guidelines pretty religiously because you know they were instructing us how to keep the whole country safe Yeah, um, and so we're going to go in with that
0: got it so are, are most of the uh, cases you're defending are they like uh, standard of care, uh, negligence. Yes. Yeah, they are. Okay. Yes, they are. You got it.
1: You got it right.
0: I got it right. So, uh, yeah, no, I actually had a brother that was in a, in a nursing facility during COVID too. And uh, that was interesting, like just getting in there. It was interesting because it was not consistent. Like one day when I went to visit, they had us put on, you know, full gown, protective gear, everything just yeah. to go in. And the next day I went back to visit again, never even mentioned that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the it changed like daily, what was coming down. And so they had to navigate all of that. Now, they did make a really great rule, which is um, you can sign up, anyone, as long as the person, the resident or the patient says it's okay, can sign up as, your person and that person will be allowed in no matter what the circumstances are. And so I think that is really great because I think people, A, um, depression was high um, during COVID for a lot of folks that were in nursing homes, especially. Um, And so part of that is not being able to see your family. Um, And so um, that is great, and I think people not being able to see or talk to their nurses or talk to their doctors is what really increased the lawsuits. I mean, some of some of these are totally like, yes, I can see where you know there might be an issue, and some of them are like, you just didn't know, and mm-hmm. now you're trying to find out, and so and that's okay, and that's okay too, um, and we'll let you do that, but um, you know that that is not what the legal kind of environment is used to and is for, right? If you, you need to use that for like, you know, uh, not frivolous case and like something actually happened. But I think that when people don't know, I mean, they have a right to know. And so right. that you, they're using that avenue to get, to get it.
0: Got it, got it. So have you always practiced this kind of law? Yes. Okay, how'd you get into this? Like why healthcare law? Um,
1: I just, so when I was young, I've been in healthcare since I was in high school. I had um, two research papers published by the time I graduated. And I actually had gone to our alma mater um, pre-med and uh, science was really hard. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> what would you um, study there? what would you study at Carnegie Mellon?
1: Um, I studied, oops. Oh, let me get, let me plug in real quick.
0: Okay.
1: Um, I studied um, technical writing for science and medical communications.
0: Okay. Well, what what, what college does that sit within?
1: That is within, um, it sits in
0: Heinz. I, I was going to guess Heinz, yeah.
1: Mm, or no, but maybe.
0: It's probably one of those interdisciplinary. Like, it's an First.
1: interdisciplinary degree, that's right. And yeah. so I, it's a bachelor's of science, right? So I started to take a whole bunch of science classes. I took, I went up to level 200 in computer science, you know, okay. um, and so, but I, be behinds are the, uh, the other college. I should know. Melancholy of Science. Mel- Melancholy
0: of Science. Well, cause they science?
1: change, they change the name. Yeah. You no, know, it sits with English too it's a writing degree really oh. what's that english department
0: uh hss yes. Dietrich? Dietrich. yeah detrick
1: detrick that's what Dietrich. that's the new name mm-hmm. yeah yes that's correct got it yeah and so and so yeah so i i i switched to that major because i had all these sciences and i was just like if i like and I told myself, I don't know if this is true, but I was like, if I'm struggling this hard in like organic uh, chem and, and biology, maybe <laughs> maybe going <laughs> to be a doctor isn't right for me. And CMU had um, a journal there called the Triple Helix, which was science, technology, and the law. And I got in with them and I was just like, oh, okay, this is really, really cool. Um, I took a year off um, and I went back home and I worked in a law firm just to see what you know what was going on um, and see if I really liked it and um UK recruited me um and I was a they gave me like a provost fellowship to actually oh, go down there and I was just like yeah this is great because well, you know <laughs> you remember 2008 we had a crisis oh that's
0: right we had a big crisis on our sure. hands. yeah that's right
1: we had a huge and so everyone and their mom was going back to graduate school for something. Um, and so it was really hard to kind of navigate, you know, well, how am I gonna pay for this? And how am I gonna, you know, justify this? Um, but the provost, provost fellowship um, included some scholarship money. And so it was like, you know what? I'll just try it. Why not? Let's get down there. <laughs> um, but I always had healthcare, <laughs> healthcare in my heart. And, um, you know, I, I dabbled in a couple of other things. Um, but I always wanted to go into healthcare because it's just my passion. I love science I love medicine and I love technology.
0: Oh, that's interesting. But you said you're from New York City. What? And yes. Where'd you go to? Where'd you go to high school in New York City? That's tough to go to high school in New York City, right?
1: I went to. Yeah, I went to St. Francis Preparatory School. Where is that? It's in Fresh Meadows, in Queens.
0: Oh, it's in Queens. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Is that where you're from, Queens?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. And again, that's a big yeah. change to go from Queens to uh, Lexington, Kentucky.
1: It is. It's not, I mean, it's not that. So Lexington, I will say, I've been here for 13 years now. And it's just, it's, it's been such a... Um, it's just been so interesting to watch it grow into mm. a bigger city, right? So I think New York is established. And so when you are born there, you're like, this is it. I right. mean, this is the epitome of city. And right. It still changes. You know, we get new restaurants all the time and we still get some things, but it's been so great, like being in a, a smaller city and then watching it grow mm. and being a part of that growth um in kind of being a lawyer here too because you can advocate for a lot of things that you want to see and and my 18 years in new york city i'm like hey guys we need some more green space (laughs) we can't (laughs) be another concrete you know it can't be another concrete jungle we're not we're too small you know so yeah you can um really kind of make your mark here um and i think in other smaller cities you have that too and especially during the pandemic it's a, a lot cheaper than living in New York. And so we've had an influx of people, come on, come on down. <laughs> oh,
0: that's, that's funny, yeah, that's great. I'm glad to hear it, you're flexible. It sounds like you're, uh, you're adventurous and flexible and you made it work.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, good. Anyone else in your family? You know me. Is that me. <laughs> true, am I describing you well?
1: Yep, you described me to the T.
0: Oh, good. All right. So I'm perceptive. Any, anyone else in the family uh, in law or medicine or anything like that?
1: Um, I'm the first generation um, attorney in my immediate family. Um, I, my, one of my cousins married, well, two of my cousins married attorneys. Um, and then my other cousin's dad who lives in Haiti so my family's from Haiti oh, and okay. um, he was an attorney in Haiti um yeah so I mean we have a few of them sprinkled around but I guess if you count all the married into and my one uh, attorney in Haiti I guess I'm the fourth one um
0: <laughs> but I'm the
1: only litigator yeah I'm the only litigator the, the only other litigator. two don't practice mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So do you t- you so you do litigate cases? You you go to trial sometimes? You Oh so yeah. You do. Yeah. So tell me about that. Just give me give me a case that you worked on that was really uh, cool and interesting.
1: Um so I've been really lucky. Um I graduated law school 10 years ago okay. and I've got to go to two trials, one arbitration. And that's yeah. really, really rare. It is. Um, especially in, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I still know um, friends that I graduated with that are litigators that have not gone to trial that one time. Um, I just got lucky. There's nothing, you know, that I did. I just got lucky. Um, and we had clients that were willing to get that risk right? Because in Kentucky, we don't have any tort reform. So, you know, we can get $23 million verdicts from our jurors. We can get 50, 100. I mean, there's no ceiling, there's no cap. Okay. Um, and so a lot of the clients here justifiably can't take that risk, right? right. They'd rather just settle, settle cases um, to make sure that they are kind of managing that pool of money. Um, but I got really lucky. And so... Um, with my former um, boss, my former um, employer, we um, worked for a case, and then we actually got a defense verdict. Oh,
0: nice! Um,
1: and yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was intense. It was tiring. It was just he and I. as a solo practitioner, um, and so it was just the two of us with our um, amazing um, support staff, um, and uh, and we got it. And we actually there was one issue. That um, we took up on appeal, and then we also won that as well. So that was an exciting kind of time in in both of our lives um, to be able to do it and and actually get the the justice that we thought we deserved. But who knew, right? It's up to the jury. So we don't, we yeah, yeah.
0: Know. Did you like being in front of the jury? A, yeah. Did you like, did you like yeah, being in front of the jury? Right. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you prepare it's for that? They're funny. They're funny. Oh, yeah.
1: They, yeah. They, they, day and night. I mean, it takes, I mean, you prepare for trial starting, you know, well, the rule of thumb is the moment you get a case in, you work it like you're going to trial. But leading up to it, the, the last two months, I mean, you are really um, dotting your I's and crossing your T's. I mean, it's weekends, it's nights. Um, it, you know, it's, it's intense. It's a lot of um, redoing what you know, just to make sure that you're doing a proper analysis, kind of anticipating your opposing counsel's thoughts and be like, okay, but what if they bring this up? What are we going to say? What are we going to do? Or what evidence do we have to defend against that? Or who's the better witness? And like, it's talking to um, all of our witnesses, making sure they're prepared. Lots of hurting. Like, okay, we we might need you on this day. What's your cell phone number? Um, Do you need prep? Do you need an excuse from work? What do you need? And like making sure they feel comfortable, making sure they have um, their suit prepared to look presentable, making sure they have great eye contact, making sure our experts are in order and making sure they're prepared and ready to go. because the, you know, the documents should speak for themselves. The witnesses yeah. should speak for themselves. You know, us attorneys, we're just trying to put everything together into a, a nice story, right? but the, the other folks are doing the hard work really.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, how, so how do you, do you do mock trials? Do you do focus groups? How do you test your theory?
1: Um, sometimes it depends on the client. Those things cost money. And so if they're willing to kind of put up the money to do so, yeah. Um, we, we test them like in our office, 100%. Okay. Um, but if they want to do a full mock trial or something like that, um, there are lots of companies out there that provide that service that we can use. We could also like submit kind of a case summary and um, submit it to a kind of a panel of jurors that are just randomly chosen. Um, And then we can get those results as well. And then another company does that. They like, I guess they pay um, just folks that they find um, and they're like, hey, what you have to do is read this summary and, you know, do some, tell us what you would, how you would, you know, vote and rule and how much money you would give. Um, And so, yeah, we've done those sometimes, but again, they cost money. And so we don't get to do that all the time.
0: That's right. You see, it's you're budget constrained, right? By your yes, yeah. But again, you're trying to mitigate risk. So, if you need to, you know, spend some money to make sure that you minimize the risk, you have to do that sometimes, right?
1: That's absolutely correct.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's really the it's just the other side of the coin because you got these aggressive uh, guys on the on the on the plaintiff side, right? And they're looking yes. for money, particularly if there's, if there's no sailing on how much they can, uh, they can ask for, mm-hmm. then, uh, that actually makes yeah. it more interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we get, and that's, um, a little bit harder to kind of navigate, right? Because they go for emotion for the most part generally speaking, they go for emotion. They tug at their strings and say, oh, you know, blah, 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 and all this stuff. We usually tend to stick to the facts, right? Right. Standard Standard of care is duty, breach, causation, injury. And so we're gonna say like, you know, I know sometimes it's like, hey, I know they got hurt, but it's not due to anyone's fault right? No one did something in particular that fell below the center of care to cause this injury or something like that. But, you know, if you're going on a motion, you don't need that. You can just say, you know, this person is really hurt and they deserve to have some money. And, and so we have to kind of be better. And we're doing a lot more of that storytelling to go with those basic black and white facts and to kind of educate folks on what senator peer means and whether, you know, someone actually was at fault.
0: Well, that, I mean, at the end of the day, well, you're not going in front of a jury very often, but the, stu- you know, when you are right, they're reacting emotionally to things, right? Your story, the way mm-hmm. you present it. So, um, for sure. So, It's very important the way you tell your story, right? It's not just based on the facts.
1: No, no, you have to have a a good story.
0: You got to have a good story. Okay. Interesting. Very good. Um, So uh, let me just ask you a couple more questions. I'm curious about, so um, aside from your love of healthcare and science, was there anything else that sort of influenced your jury, your journey? Why you, why you became a lawyer is anyone you looked up to is there anyone in particular that's an influencer in your life
1: yeah my mom my mom is like my number one go-to you know I called her and I was just like hey um I know we worked really hard to get here to Carnegie Mellon but now (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to do And so she was really instrumental and like being like, it's not all for nothing. Look at all the other degrees that you can have, and um, maybe you can really get into the law and defend your classmates, right? So, and I was like, you know what, that's a great idea. And so, um, I went forward with it, you know. And and I had no kind of since I didn't know I wanted to go to law school. It wasn't like I have a whole list of of folks prior to that, that right. I was like looking up to. A lot of my friends, like they wanted to be lawyers since they were five years old. Um, and I just wanted to be a lawyer since uh, sophomore year of college. <laughs> so I just <laughs> I just applied and, and went when I, uh, where I ended up. But, um, you know, in law school and throughout like my legal career, I mean, there are so many, I mean, just so many women, especially that have like paved the way, that I have visibly seen, like our current dean of the law school, she's the first woman dean um, that she, and she started maybe a year or two ago, but she was also my professor. Um, And so I saw her kind of forge that path for herself and now for others, if they want to do that. And that's Dean um, Mary Davis. Um, There's Jennifer Boat-Poen, who's also an associate dean, who was my professor, who is, you know, raised through the ranks of academia and and have done that. There are clients of mine. So um, when I started, I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's a rat race, right? And so there are clients of mine that trusted me and has continued to trust me. Um, and, you know, I've moved firms and they've changed positions, but even in, in in that, you know, I still look up to them. I still follow them, keep in touch. We grab lunch and, and uh, they're doing great work, you know, for the industry now, you know, like they're champions and advocates for the industry instead of just that one client. Um, and so, there I mean there's so many I mean I can list them all
0: but. oh that's great but I mean so yeah Kentucky is an interesting state right it's a you know conservative place right um
1: yes and yes
0: so how does that impact your career and does that in any way
1: um yeah it does it so it depends that you know off the top of my head that impacts jury selection mostly right so yeah because those are the people that you know you're trying to tell your story to and convince them you know of anything that you want them to be convinced of and so whether it's liberal like for example lexington um louisville are college towns right and so they tend to be a little bit more liberal because the students are figuring out themselves and what they want and you know a lot of times that leans left yeah um however in other towns west or east or right in the middle um they're a little bit more conservative and so you know that means um they may be more religious um they may be um more right leaning and so that's how you start weaving your story and you tailor it to the people that you're talking to um and so that comes up kind of immediately when you say that kentucky's red career wise you know i think that we we the kentucky is a mandatory bar um and so once you graduate you pass the bar exam, you must be a part of the Kentucky Bar Association, which is different in each state. And I think that the Kentucky Bar has done a really, really good job of bringing us together. It doesn't matter if you are left, right. It doesn't matter if you are plaintiffs or defense. Um, We are all advocates and and the purpose and we all have a purpose in in this arena right I would be no one if there were no plaintiff's attorneys right they have to file the suit for me to depend for them to defend them um and so I think that you know Kentucky is a strange place but we also have a mandatory bar that allows us to continue to have those conversations and um and talk to each other and make sure that um we are doing right by our clients no matter what
0: got it okay interesting yeah, hey, you know, it's good stuff. I mean, I, I found through all the conversations I've had that people are pretty collegial, right? They work together. Um,
1: mm-hmm. And that,
0: that's good. Uh, it, it kind of it, it reminds me in, in higher ed, it was the same kind of thing. Even though they're focused on their own thing, they're very cooperative, it seems like. It seems like that's the same thing within the legal profession, too. Would you agree with that? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, I would agree. And you know, you always have some rogue folks yeah. who do not play by those rules. Right. And you know, they make it, you know, such a they. I I can think of some, and they just make it so such more stressful, I guess, and less fun.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. I I like talking right before i you know spoke to you i was talking to another opposing counsel about a case that we're trying to settle right now and okay. so it was fun to talk to, it was fun to talk to him i caught up he told me about his vacation we had a we had a good talk and then all, you know, obviously we talked about work too you know and with those other folks who who don't like that or don't allow themselves to be that way you know it's just all business all the time no fun, no nothing. Yeah. Well,
0: you're probably good at softening them up. You soften them up.
1: <laughs> I yeah. a little bit. <laughs> oh,
0: that's funny. You got to have fun. I mean, I don't care what you're doing. If you're not having fun doing it, then it's a chore.
1: Exactly. Right? And we have to do this for the next 30 years, right? That's right. And it's usually the same people doing the same stuff. So it's kind of like a marriage. I mean, you got you to like the people you work with.
0: That's right. That's correct. So um, let me ask you a question about uh, technology in your practice. Do you Does the firm use technology? you leverage it? What are your views on it? Anything else you want to say about technology?
1: Yeah, I love technology. Um, technology um, helped us keep all of our jobs, right? So during COVID, um, cases couldn't go to trial, but they still moved forward, for example, with death
0: Depositions. Um
1: and hearings all through yeah all through zoom um and so i think they're great and i think they're great in an emergency situation moving forward i do believe that technology um takes away a little bit from the human element um even you know i had a he- i had two hearings this morning in two different courts on opposite sides of kentucky mm. and so it was really nice for me to be able to appear via zoom um, but again, you know, it's also really nice to get FaceTime with your judge. It's also really nice to go to the clerk's office and, and say thank you and to hand things in person and to ask people how they're doing and to see your opponent, you know, you're sitting next to them in the courtroom. Right.
0: Um,
1: and, I, and I think that, um, you know, also over Zoom, people got a little um, more aggressive, right? Because you're not with me in person I'm not just giving you a, a side eye or saying seriously <laughs>
0: <laughs> well listen let, let me let me let, let's wrap it up here because I think we, we, we spent a good bit, bit of time here um, so if anyone wants to reach you and learn more about what you do or speak to you what's the best way
1: Sure, they can email me at christine.stanley at qpwblaw.com, or they can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, I don't have a Twitter, well, I don't have a Twitter, and they can call my cell phone, 917-697-9165, and I used to have a Twitter when I was in law school, but I'm locked out of it, I don't remember my password, and I use my, um, Ooh, my law school email address which is no longer in service so I'm trying <laughs> so I'm oh, trying geez. to get back on but I can't
0: <laughs> all right you'll, you'll figure um, it out yeah okay excellent well um thank you for spending time with us today um
1: You're and
0: welcome. uh again this is a Christine Stanley with the law firm of Quinteros Prieto Wood and Boyer and uh, this show is sponsored by Motion Track And um, we use artificial intelligence to gather nonverbal insights that people use for case prep for mediation and trials. Thank you very much, Christine.
1: Thank you so much. Have a good weekend.
0: Thank you.